Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In today's show, we cover the five biggest news stories from the world of Formula One, including it's finally race week again. Last year's alpha pair, Kimi and Gio, both get back behind the wheel. Red Bull go diet. Mr. Martin, focus on next year and some new lineups in Formula E. Hello, my name is Ron Mylander, and you're listening to the Formula Birds podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant, and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King, and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Crofty. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go. Welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds. Every Wednesday, we update you on everything you need to know from the world of F1. The show is brought to you by the team at Formula Nerds. Keep up to date with all the latest news by visiting our website at formulanerds.com. So, let's get the niceties out of the way and go around the panel, starting with Sam. How's it going, Sam? Yeah, all good, thank you. Um, hopefully, we're, uh, we'll come out swinging again like last week. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm all good. Swinging or not swinging? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Let's let's try and stay off carrot cake anyway. Uh, yeah, Abby, I mean, how, how are you, Abby? I'm good. I'm good. Although the the mention of carrot cake is making me a bit peckish during this podcast, but I'm good because it's race week again. But you're one of the ones who are so outraged by the carrot cake because <laughs> oh Victoria's fudge is nicer. All right. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Well, Catherine wasn't here for carrot cake gate, so. Well, I was going to ask how you are, but more importantly, what are your thoughts on carrot cake? I like carrot cake, but not when it has raisins in it. I do not know why they need to add that sometimes. So, people do that. I've never heard of that before. It's like truly do. Rocky Road, great. (laughs) Apart from the raisins, they just ruin it. Raisins ruin things. It it should be illegal, to be fair. Coronation chicken. So, first of this week. 
It's race weekend. Moving swiftly on. Yes, it's finally a Grand Prix weekend again. The Belgian Grand Prix, to be specific, and into the second half of the season. For the sake of the listener, that second half is in inverted commas, seeing as we're 13 down with nine to go. But yeah, a quick reminder of the standings. We've got Max way out, way out in the lead, 80 points ahead. Surely, I mean, more than his to lose. It's never been lost from this kind of margin. But the battle for second is now surprisingly looking interesting. We've got Charles Leclerc on 178, Checo Perez 173, George Russell 158, Carlos Sainz 156, and Lewis Hamilton 146. So, yeah, we'll have a busy weekend with F1, F2, and F3. And one man who'll be having a particularly busy weekend is Liam Lawson, as well as complete as well as competing in F2. He'll be getting a run out in an Alpha Tauri during FP1. You guys excited to see what he can do? Very much so. He is the Red Bull and the Aftari Reserve, so we knew this was coming. I think it was already kind of announced a while back, but this is now confirmed. Yeah, I, th- I think he'll be quick. He's he's comf- he's very comfortable. He's very quick in F2. Um, he's not had the results necessarily that are representative of his season this year. So yeah, I think he'll uh, prove people what he's prove to people what he's got. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, Sam, I don't think the first half of his season this year has kind of shown what he's capable of. So hopefully he can come back swinging in F2 and uh, showing us what he can do in Formula 1 as opposed to, not as opposed, compared to Yuki or Gasly, whichever driver that he is replacing for the session. Yeah, he is in fact replacing Pierre Gasly during the first session. And it seems really exciting for him because I think he has been mentioned with F1 for quite some time now so it's great to see him get the opportunity so yeah he he did uh, the young driver test at Abu Dhabi I think the end of last year and yeah I mean we'll see what he can do in in the new regulation of cars he's got to be the the main hope for Red Bull's future now really with with Yuri Vips pretty much out of the the equation and Dennis Halger not quite certainly this year doing enough to justify uh, an F1 seat in the immediate future no, it's interesting you mentioned Helga there, though, because Marco, Helmut Marco came out a few weeks ago and said that essentially Dennis Helga is the next man up for AlphaTauri. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, th- I think it's still too early for him, and I think Liam Lawson has earned that opportunity if it comes about. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to see. Another thing on the on the menu in Belgium will be of course, the long-awaited new floor regulations coming into play. Now, I won't bore you with all the details we've had so many times before, but in a nutshell, it was the middle ground found to address the porpoising and the potentially flexing floors. So after all the arguments and delays, do we think they're actually going to make a difference to the pecking order? I think it could close the gap between some teams and drivers. I don't think it will change it drastically. I think Red Bull will be affected quite a bit. I think we'll see... Mercedes and Red Bull get closer together because, as Russell said, he said that Red Bull are one of the teams that they believe to be using these illegal flaws. And we've seen upgrades on Perez's car that have slowed that Red Bull down as opposed to Verstappen. So whether that was them testing out the new legal flaw, I don't know. But I still think Max will dominate the championship and Red Bull will dominate... But the gap will be closer. Yeah, I mean, I, when James mentioned the championship standings at the top of the show, it made me realise that Max could miss this entire triple header and still 
be guaranteed to walk away or walk, walk into the, the next round, I think it's Singapore, as the new the championship. That is how dominant this season has become for him. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think you're changing anything there. But Mercedes won two at Spa. Easy. That's, it's, that's <laughs> calling it now. Put money on it. No, don't. But no, as Abby said, I think it, things will close up um, amongst the top three. And I think Ferrari will come back swinging as well. I think probably it will help Ferrari, hopefully. And then, as you guys said, um, Red Bull and Mercedes will probably get closer to each other, especially since Mercedes had all those troubles at the beginning of the season with the poor poisoning. So I think now this is something in their favour. And then Red Bull, it's going to be a controversial one because Red Bull, they had a smooth start, but they always said that they have some trouble with grip during the races. So I guess we will have to see how does the new floor comes into place? Like, will it help them with that or will it make it even worse? But at the same time, I think the, these last nine races, they will be more um, focused on Ferrari and Mercedes rather than Red Bull. Because I think Red Bull are just so dominant that I, even if something like this, it wouldn't really hurt them as much. Yeah, and the final thing to cover ahead of Belgium is the future of the Grand Prix itself, with rumours that it could be off the calendar next year. Christian Horner hopes that's not the case. He said, Monza Silverstone Spa, they're the big and historic ones. We should ring fence those and protect them. Now, I'm pretty sure we'll all be in agreement on this. So instead, I'll ask you whether you think the support of the drivers and teams is going to be enough to save the Belgian Grand Prix. Cynically and unfortunately, um, I'm going to say no. I don't think it will be enough. I think, okay, I don't think it would be enough in a hypothetical situation. Spa, Spa's gone. I, th- I think this year, next year, is a long goodbye. Uh, Monza's not go- going anywhere. That would be sporting suicide. Uh, and Silverstone as well actually has started to produce some really, really good racing. So, yeah, I don't think the team's influence would be enough, unfortunately. I have to agree with Sam on that one. And especially like when you have races like Spa and Monaco that Christian Horner said that they should be protected... Unfortunately, I don't think that his words would really help, especially since F1 is trying to attract a younger generation of fans. And the younger generation would tell you that, for example, a race like Monaco is boring. So unfortunately, I don't think that they would have that much of a great effect. Yeah, I'd I'd like to say that I disagree with you both but unfortunately I do agree and it is a shame because Spa is such a historic track within Formula 1 and it's being replaced by all these american tracks like las vegas and miami to bring in the money and it sucks at the end of the day that money is the driving force behind the sport because spa is such a historic track and a great one to include but sadly i think it will be off the calendar yeah i mean i think most f1 fans feel the same on this certainly from what you see online i think those three that the christians mentioned are the three that you really would want to save just to have some tie to the roots of F1 and you know there's there's enough money coming in from there used to be 16 races now we're looking at 23 24 surely there's space on that calendar for those three classic tracks but moving on from a well a historic Grand Prix to a, a historic team Alpha and their driver last year Kimi and Gio I'll throw to you Sam Yes, yeah, so you've probably already seen uh, and heard about it. It's been all over Twitter, um, all over socials. But Kimi Raikkonen got back in a race car over the weekend. 
It's not his debut in NASCAR. He did race in a NASCAR race about a decade ago, um, but I don't think it was a uh, full-blown um, NASCAR Cup Series race. So, yeah, so that was at Watkins Glen over the weekend. He was looking pretty quick for a, a relative novice uh, in practice. I think he was um, at one point in the top 10. Uh, Daniel Kvyat was also uh, amongst those racing, um, who Kimi outperformed pretty well. Uh, but when it got to the race, uh, Kimi was running inside the top 10, so he did well from his starting spot of 27th. But unfortunately, got involved in an accident amount, around the midway stage and wasn't to finish, uh, which I can only imagine saw a rather large decline in viewership in Europe uh, at that point of the evening uh, when that did happen. But guys, did any of you watch it? What did you think? Do you guys watch any NASCAR at all? I haven't watched it yet. And NASCAR isn't one of the most what categories that I have actually watched. However, from clips I've seen and that, I do think I'll be watching it now because it does look like a good category. And especially with Kimi, I know that he moved up seven places, I think, within the opening four laps. And to be honest, it's just great to see him back in a race car, back racing. Um, yes, it's sad that he did have to retire from it, but it was his first one. So who knows? He might end up storming ahead. I haven't watched it either, but it just reminded me of when he crashed in F1 and just walked to his yacht. It just makes me wonder whether what he did this time when he crashed. It probably wasn't a yacht there. Maybe maybe you walked to a caravan. Well, he went out for a meatball pizza, uh, from what I can tell from social media. <laughs> um, so, you know, Kimi Räikkönen being Kimi Räikkönen. Yeah, funnily enough, with NASCAR... In Europe, there's this kind of, oh, it's just going around in circles thing, which is ironically what non-motorsport fans say about all forms of motorsport. But actually, I was watching the Bubba Wallace documentary um, on Netflix, and there's a lot more to it. There's a lot of science and physics involved into kind of the slipstreaming and the drafting. It's, it's, it's really clever, and I'd recommend watching it, because it definitely will give you a lot more respect for, for how the kind of racing operates. But moving on from... Kimi Raikkonen to one of his former teammates, Antonio Giovinazzi, who this week has been uh, lined up, speculated, rumoured to be in with a shot of the Haas drive uh, for 2023. So this is obviously not Kevin Magnussen's seat. We know he is locked into that seat for next year. This is Schumacher's current seat, which uh, is what will be vacant at the moment as of the end of the season. We don't know where Schumacher is going. Will he stay at Haas? Will he go to Alpine? Will he go somewhere else? Or will he be in the sport at all? But Antonio Giovinazzi, I thought was a really interesting one because he had a really, really difficult season in Formula E. Very, very different disciplines, but he didn't score a point. What do you guys think? Do you think Gio's time has been and gone? Do you think he is, quote-unquote, mid, as lots of people were referring to him as? Or do you think he deserves another shot? Well, he's... He's he's getting some FP1 sessions, right? That much is confirmed. Uh, he's got two sessions, I think. Italy and Cota, is that right? Yes, it is. And thank you for actually uh, delivering the actual news part of, of my <laughs> That's video. Right. That's all right. That's what I'm here for. I got totally caught up in, in Giovinazzi that I forgot. Yeah, so no, but there's a lot of interesting points about why he'd be putting that car. Um, anything to do with his Ferrari links, maybe? 
It could be. Um, but yeah, I mean, touching on your, your actual question, uh, he's, it was a tough year for him. I mean, he was, he came in late uh, and he was always going to struggle and he was in arguably the worst team. I mean, not even arguably really, they they were last in the standings, but he didn't really ever catch up to Sergio Seti camera. He never really got on terms with him. And, you know, for someone with, Okay, he's, it's not like he's ever set F1 alight, but he was a, a solid driver in F1. You'd think that he would be there or thereabouts, certainly by the end of the season. So, yeah, I mean, I don't... I'd be surprised if he gets a drive next year, personally. I think that when it comes to Giovinazzi, we cannot really compare what he did in F1 to what he did in Formula E. Just because when I went to Formula E, I got to learn more about it. And it's just... It is so much more complex than Formula 1. That's this literally like... I talked to some drivers that were there on their first season and they were telling me like it is so difficult and that you literally sort of have to learn how to race again. So I would sort of credit him with that. At the same time, I do not think that he's going to get another Formula One seat. I just think that probably with the good relationship that Ferrari and Haas has, maybe they wanted to, you know, have an experienced driver. Haas may be looking at what they want to do for next year. And I think, for example, if you put a rookie in that car, he isn't going to give you the same feedback that Giovinazzi, who is experienced in F1, would give you. Because a rookie would be looking at, for example, setting a fast lap and impressing the team so that he'll get a future seat. Whereas Giovinazzi would understand more what the team wants from him, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I think... His FP1 sessions are for getting the required feedback that the teams would like. I don't think we'll see him in F1. I think out of the current drivers on the grid that don't have a seat, like Daniel Ricciardo, he's been in talks apparently with Haas to potentially move there. And also some of the F2 drivers, I think there are better options for the F1 seat than Giovinazzi. Yeah, it's a a curious one because you've got experience in Kevin Magnussen, so you would surely be looking at a high potential you know, rookie or Schumacher, or just keeping Schumacher. So is Schumacher pushing to get you know, to move on and they're starting to kind of panic? Because to be clear, Giovinazzi driving an FP1 for two sessions doesn't count at all towards Hass's requirement to field two rookies or a rookie in two sessions um, for free practice over the season. So they are going to have to put in a... Well, a rookie, I was going to try and speculate as to who it might be. It's it's odd because surely having your actual regular driver produces more data and feedback in, or maybe they're just not getting that from Schumacher and Magnussen, which would seem strange. So they're wanting a third opinion. Potentially, could it be Ferrari wanting to keep Giovinazzi a little bit fresh, up to date with the new regulations in case for whatever reason he needs to step in. Obviously, we still do live in the COVID-19 world, so there is always that possibility. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Moving on from Kimi Raikkonen and Antonio Giovinazzi, but staying with their former team, Alfa Romeo Sauber, it has emerged in the last day or so that it's looking increasingly likely that Audi will buy out the Sauber team. And this will be from 2026, we believe, when the new engine regulations come in. One of the worst-kept secrets in F1 is that the Volkswagen Group, who owns Porsche and Audi, are looking to get those two marquee names into the sport for the new engine regulations uh, that come into place, yeah, as I said, in four years. So the current Alfa Romeo deal runs till 2024. So could you see a Audi Sauber team for a couple of years and then a full Audi works team from 2026? What do we think, guys? Are we excited by this news? Because I think it's it's pretty big and I think it could be really good for the sport. Considering where Alfa Romeo has been in like recent years, I think it would be good for them to get some investment, especially from Audi, who are experienced in motorsports. They are a big car manufacturer too. So I think it might actually be maybe a positive step for them. Yeah, I mean, I think we'd all rather have a, a devoted works Audi team, obviously, but it's it's always going to be wishful thinking. Yeah, it would just be nice to have more engine manufacturers involved in the sport. Uh, that's never a bad thing. And however it ends up happening, then that works for me. And yeah, it'd be a great name to have in the sport as well. Yeah, I echo what Catherine and James have said. I think it would be really good to have them in F1. Well, good. I'm glad you're all uh, excited about it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because they had been closely linked with McLaren, but it looks like they they are now going a different direction. Um, what will happen with the Andretti rumoured entry? We'll have to see because they also had a bid rejected last year to buy the Alfa Romeo Sauber team. So still potential for an 11th team, which is what ultimately we all want. So, you know, fingers crossed on that front, but we'll have to see. Well, as we head into Spa, obviously, James mentioned earlier about the new floor regulations, but something for Red Bull is happening. The Red Bull is going on a diet. Obviously, there is a minimum weight for the cars in Formula One. And across this season, it was 795 kilograms at the beginning, but it has been increased to 798. Now, all teams apart from Alfa Romeo, were too heavy, but Williams and Aston Martin were able to reduce their weight. But Red Bull are still overweight. But Suspar and that, they are trying to reduce that by creating a new monocoque, which is the survival cell that protects the driver in order to try and meet these regulations. Do you guys think that for Red Bull, going on this diet will affect their car much? Do you think it will impact their performance at all? It's so hard to say, uh, especially with the unknown that is this year's new regulations. <laughs> I mean, they've they've got enough of an advantage, certainly in the championship. I mean, okay, you could argue that the Ferrari definitely has been the fastest car on pure pace, uh, but the Red Bull's already so fast in a straight line. Reducing the weight, I mean, yeah, it's it's unlikely to to affect them in a negative sense you'd imagine uh we'll have to see exactly and obviously yeah like the like i mentioned the floor regulations could make a bigger change but yeah uh the fact that they are overweight is kind of ominous for the performance they could pull out yeah definitely the fact that 
they have that much speed and are so much faster than their title rivals being heavier in that it it is quite scary i can imagine for the opposing teams who are closer to the minimum weight but also heading into spa they there is some news around Haas as well they are running a heavily updated car for both drivers this time previously they had upgrades for magnuson's car but this time schumacher will be getting them as well moving further down the field to look at aston martin obviously we all know the news that Fernando Alonso is heading there next year, joining Lance Stroll as the driver lineup. But team principal Mike Crack has said that signing Alonso to the team is a statement of intent. He said that we are not on the grid to make up numbers. We are here to win. And Alonso has that killer instinct that will help the Aston Martin F1 project to create loads of wins and podiums next season. Because... Essentially, Aston Martin are aiming to be a team where success is the norm, which obviously at the moment, considering this year's performance, that is definitely not a close goal. But they feel like Alonso can help them achieve this winning culture. I was a bit surprised when Alonso moved to Aston, considering how bad they're performing compared to Alpine. Do you guys think that he can bring this much to the team to help them achieve race victories next year? I think in some ways he's become a bit of a fixer um, or seen at least as one for teams. Because if you look at the McLaren era that Alonso endured painfully, pushed him into temporary retirement, let's not forget. But that was right before their return to form or at least a increase in their performance, not quite to the kind of you know, early 2000s form or late 90s form that we um, grew up with, James. Um or even the early 90s. You know, let's face it, my point is is that it was relatively not a return to form. However, do you is there a link there? Alonso surely had an impact because even when he's sulking and being moody and clearly not enjoying being at McLaren at that time, he must have had an impact. So I think he's proven in that area. It's odd from what he gets out of it, I guess, is a paycheck, right? Because I can't see them being a race-winning team in two years. I can't see them being better than Alpine in two years. So he's giving up a lot there. It's you know, it's a two-year deal. It's more money. That's why he's made that decision. As I said a few weeks ago, it's mutually beneficial. So do you think their, their long-term plan is hire Alonso so when they get rid of him, they'll return to form? Because that's generally how it works, right? McLaren returned to form after he left. Ferrari had a horrible 2014 car and then came back with wins in 2015. The curse of Alonso is just a short-term plan for, for Aston Martin, yeah? So they'll be terrible next year and then he'll leave in disgust and then they'll I, win. I think the Ferrari example there is an outlier because I think Alonso was dragging <laughs> that team along yeah. and they were very much on, on no, his coattails. At, not being at, serious, obviously. Like, he's, yeah. He's, uh, I, I'll he's, take your point. No, he's there to he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's probably going to bring them a little bit up the grid. You think just... It's so hard to say that because he's such a, a volatile personality from, from all accounts pretty much. And, you know, he's he's created war at teams, but he, you're not going to rest on your laurels with Fernando there. Like, however you look at it. No, but we know that he will drag a impressive result out of a less than impressive car. Yeah. And also, no one's ever going to say it. They want to admit it, but I think that quietly, 
they don't trust Lance Stroll yet, or they want to give Lance more time to develop. I think Lance has a lot of potential. He is obviously very, very quick, and I actually think he is deserving of his seat in Formula 1. Do I think he can lead a team yet? No. So I think bringing in someone like Alonso, he will guarantee you strong performances and hopefully results, which allow you to then kind of start moving up the, the standings whilst you give Lance time. Because let's face it, Lance is locked in. As long as Lance, as long as Lawrence Stroll owns that team, Lance is there. So you do what you can with this, the other seat, essentially. Yeah, and I also think having Alonso there now, I feel like I can see a clear difference between Alonso and Vettel. Like, obviously Vettel's retiring, and he said the talks about his retirement have been in the works for at least a year. So I think Alonso has more tenacity and more drive than Vettel did. So I think he will definitely help Aston Martin improve from where they are now. But I still think there will be several years before they become where a team where success is the norm. Yeah, that tenacity, that drive, motivation, essentially, is at, at, their, at this kind of twilight point of their career, relatively speaking, Alonso being a few years older, is the difference. I think Alonso is performing at a much higher level than Seb is. You know, and uh, and Seb gets forgotten too much for the, all the amazing things he achieved in sport. People like to say it was the car, which is ridiculous. He is far better than people often give him credit for. However, at this stage of their careers, Alonso is better. So ITV News has just reported that the six British GP protesters have been charged um, with causing public nuisance at the Silverstone Grand Prix during the opening lap, which saw Zhou Guan Yu suffer a horrifying crash. And then we move on to Formula E. And today there were some major signings made. So Nissan have announced the lineup for next season. So they have 23-year-old Sasha Fenestras, who's French. And despite his debut in the championship, he has previously tested for Jaguar in 2020. Currently, he leads the Super GT500 and is also second in the Super Formula standings. And then they confirmed another French driver, Norman Nato. He's 30 years old and he is returning to Formula E after he was a reserve driver for Venturi in 2018 till 2020. And then he also was their full-time driver in season seven, but only to get replaced by Lucas Degrassi in a season later. And then we have McLaren who are just joining Formula E this season and they confirmed Rene Rust. He has raced for Audi in season seven in Formula E and then he joined their TDM team. But now he is also confirmed to be joining the BMW team along with his Formula E duties. And to be fair, that got me thinking a bit because we were all saying how, for example, maybe a Formula One driver would join McLaren's Formula E team. Maybe it would have been Ricardo or maybe they were going to take in one of the rookies. So who do we think that maybe the second driver will be? Potentially, it could be... One driver we know has had talks with them, and I imagine quite a lot of drivers have had talks with McLaren, and they also have a a, a deep roster to draw upon. But Jake Hughes, the uh, Van Amersfoort F2 driver, who is currently the Mercedes EQ reserve driver, obviously that entry is what is becoming the McLaren entry in Formula E for next season. So he has had talks with the team. We don't know anything more than that at this stage. But interestingly, he has announced that he is not finishing his F2 season with Van Amersport, David Beckman, who has debutized for him when he had COVID at the back end of the summer, um, 
is taking his place for the final four rounds. The reason for that is Jake is quoted saying that he wants to focus more on his increasing and future commitment, hopefully future commitments with Formula E. So that is a potential option, but there are a lot of unconfirmed seats in Formula E still. So he could slot in somewhere else. It could be a reserve role. But that's who my money is on, quietly. I don't see a, a Pelot or a Rosenquist, or maybe, maybe Rosenquist, but a lot of that roster of McLaren talent, I don't see going there, especially not Daniel Ricciardo. Let's uh, nip that one in the bud. Yeah, I have to agree with you, Sam. I, I definitely don't think that Ricardo will be going there. Hughes, he is a likely option, as he has left F2, like you said. But also on F2, there is news that Oli Caldwell... He is missing this weekend in Spa because he has a race ban. So Lurim Zendeli will be driving the Campos for him in his place. Yes, well, which will be interesting because Ralph Boschong in the other Campos is returning from injury. So you could potentially see, I guess, Roberto Mary in that seat at some point over the triple header if that injury doesn't, uh, if that, you know, injury does re- reoccur. Um, so yeah, lots of changes at, at Campos. Yeah, I mean, we'll keep it interesting. Uh, it should, I mean, everyone will be happy just to be back with racing again after what's felt like a very long August. But I think that's about all we've got time for this week. Uh, thanks for joining us. Be sure to head over to FormulaNerds.com, check out the latest news, and of course, on all your usual social outlets. And then go and check out the Cuts of Race podcast, where we've had some amazing guests over the summer break with plenty more to come. But for now, we'll finally have a race to review again this Sunday. So that's you up to date with the world of F1 for now. Thank you guys for joining me. Always a pleasure. Never a chore. I have no idea what to say, you guys. <laughs> I was wondering, it did sound like the start of a poem. It did, like, didn't it? Unfortunately, I'm still getting up to that, um, so you know, to like that type of English. So I'll just say, <laughs> see you on another podcast, I guess. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Never a chore. Join us next week for some more. There you go. <laughs> You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out and away we go. Sports Social Podcast Network.